Hey guys, today's episode really shows you can do anything you set your mind to as long as you put in the work. And my guess really shows how he's putting in the work right now and how he's done that in the past, right? Taking that extra step in helping people or doing public speaking or courses on the side or on the job. He's always taking that extra step. My guest, Juan Parafon. Welcome to Beyond Coding, a dive into the world of successful people in IT. From your sponsors, Zebia, creating digital leaders. Here's your host, Patrick Akil. Juan, welcome. Hey, Patrick. How's it going, man? Good, good. Yeah? I'm very glad to be here. Awesome, man. Happy to have you. I, uh, you showed me your portfolio, and it was super impressive to me. Uh, maybe we should show it on the screen on, on YouTube or whatever. But it's kind of a, a, a snake that has a complete trail and a complete roadmap uh, of your journey so far and each course that you took, uh, where you came from and, and where you ended up now. Uh, why did you make that? Yes. So he's referring to a visualization that I decided to make maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. And the whole idea was I studied psychology, but I ended up working in data. Like I'm currently an analytics engineer. And generally when they find out about my background, it's always the question like, oh, how did you end up here, there? And was it the statistic courses? Yeah. And my solution for that was to create a visualization. Yeah. And I went for something that is technically a timeline. It's just that I use a bit of trigonometry to make it curve like a snake. Yeah. And inside of that snake, if we can call it, there are a lot of dots, all of those dots representing uh, courses that I took. Like I was very active in web pages like LinkedIn Learning or Pluralsight, amongst others. And yeah. it's really nice. I just left like a trail of stuff. <laughs> and when people see it, they're like, oh, okay, I now understand. And if you check it closely, you also see that it's kind of like a gradual change. Yeah. Now that I graduated and like, let's learn SQL. It's more like, a, let's learn Google Analytics and marketing and UX design and started noticing the pattern like, oh, wow, I all of the parts that I like about every potential job that I'm pursuing have to do with the analytics and the data part. So maybe that should be a sign. <laughs> when, when did you get to that realization then? Yes, um, it's it's really hard to pinpoint. Yeah, but when I first graduated, I decided to have three part-time jobs. Yeah, one of them was an unpaid internship in uh, UX design. Yeah, the other one was uh, digital marketing, and the other one was teaching. Back at the time, that was like my three things. I didn't know which one of them I wanted to pursue, and for example, for digital marketing, you do have to do quite a lot of upscaling because, well, it, it marketing comes with its own terms, its own <laughs> things. And I realized that I was liking the courses about analytics quite a lot yeah. and that there was a massive gap in the market. So it was more like, I like this topic and I have a lot of um, economic and professional reasons to pursue this. Yeah. Yeah. The opportunity was definitely yeah. there. I think the first data course as such that I took it was maybe more like an introduction to data science type of course. And I said like, yeah. nah, this is not my thing. 
looking backwards must be really funny. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it goes like that, right? But I love that you kind of fanned out uh, and had three jobs at the same time uh, in kind of figuring out what you wanted to do. Uh, and obviously now marketing can be very data-driven, uh, the good type, uh, UX as well, lots of research, lots of data, uh, and even, I mean, teaching uh, had its own yeah. data background, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, I fully agree with the whole marketing and UX being a lot more data-driven. Yeah. So then uh, obviously the the red line in between all those is data. Um, and I love the trail now. Do you actually show it to people when they ask you, how'd you get from uh, from point A to point B? Uh, and now you're like, well, you can you can check out this trail. <laughs> yeah, it's well, it, it's interesting. So when I apply for jobs, yeah, I noticed that some jobs kind of took me a bit less seriously when they found out about my background, okay, uh, like my academic background. So I kind of had to show that as a hey, this is the thing. Yeah, and it's also nice because it shows people that I spend a lot of my free time learning. Yeah. It's impressive. I mean, I saw it and and initially, I think a lot of people think, well, you just make a switch and at some point you do that uh, and you learn on the job or do whatever. But all those single dots, well, you just need to check it out, I guess, uh, yeah. online. They're all courses and they're all like a lot of time was spent on, on following that courses and actually doing the work to get where you are now. It's I was impressed, man, for sure. Oh, thanks. Yeah. What What is the end goal though? Because obviously uh, still hasn't, it, you haven't reached the end. You're still going. What's the end goal for you? Correct. I I just have five years of experience, yep. technically. Being very introspective with myself, mm. I just want to become really good at my job. Yeah. That's kind of the thing that keeps me going. Yeah. This, I really like every time I can do my job a bit better and that's why I'm still doing courses. I love to surround myself with people that are uh, outstanding at what they do. Yeah. Especially if it's a field in which I want to grow at. Yeah. And so for now, the end goal, more than anything, is I want to be really good at what I do. Yeah. And, you know, in the world of data, it's quite tricky because you need to be a really good software engineer. Yeah. You need to be good with math, good with stakeholder management, yeah. communication, strategic thinking. And there are even some things that people don't don't take into account, like um, uh, cartography. Okay. Like sometimes for some clients, you really need to brush up cartography skills if you're going to build a very specific map for them. Yeah. Yeah. Visualization on a map. Yeah. That's, I never thought of that, but it's so wide. And yet you need to get yeah. deep as well if you want to be good at uh, yeah. at least certain aspects. And I'm, I'm not saying that learning maps is the skill to have for data people, <laughs> but it's more like working with data takes you to places and expertises that you would have never thought of. Yeah, that's cool, man. I think a lot of people just want to be the best they can be at their job. But do you think at some point you'll be complacent and you'll be like, oh, I've, I've reached that. I'm going to do something else now. Or is it, I think it's never ending, is it? It is hard because I remember this me wanting to be good at what I do just for the sake of being good. Yeah. That has been something uh, I do since I'm a teenager. Yeah. And of course, it wasn't necessarily like at school or something, but there, there has always been aspects in my life. At first, I thought it was like 
competitiveness or something. Yeah. Now I'm just like, fine, that's, I guess, a personality trait. Yeah. And sure, it can happen that maybe I get tired of something professional and then I decided to, I don't know, become really good at gardening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That's, that's perhaps something. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of people have that internal drive, right? And some people need some uh, some external factors for it. But it seems like you really have that internally. That is just in there somewhere. Yeah, and I also... I remember one time, uh, one of the friends of my parents came yeah. to me and said, like, oh, I wish my kid was like you, the studies and this and that, but he only wants to be a musician. I'm like, well, but... That's the thing. It's just unfair. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And if the thing that I wanted to do was, I don't know, something else, like brewing the best beer ever, yeah, my path would look very different. Uh, I'm just being true to what I want. Yeah. And I'm super lucky that that's something that brings you a good career, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I think career should be a byproduct, right? Do whatever you want to do. Uh, but I think that if you would have done gardening or beer brewing or whatever, you would have put in the same amount of effort because the end goal is the same. You want to be the best that you can be. Uh, and the work that you put in there uh, should be the same or, or equal to what you put in now right, yeah. to get to that point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I also think sometimes that I'm very lucky that I like this, this yeah. thing of IT and everybody that loves IT is in a very lucky position because I also see people that, for example, love dancing and would love to be professional dancers. Yeah. But it's not like they are harassed by recruiters, just like the average IT person. Yeah. The so, demand is different for sure. So for that little thing, I'm always grateful. Like, oh, I just, I really love this field that comes with a lot of really cool opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It, sometimes you need to step outside of, of the day to day uh, and just think of, well, what's going on in the world and, and where am I uh, in kind of this grand picture that's there. And I agree, we're very, very lucky to be here. Oh, that's pretty cool. But let me think about this. What did, what did I, I lost my train of thought, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. What were we talking about? Gardening, beer brewing, data yeah. science. Um, that end goal, how do you plan to reach it? Because you're still following a lot of courses, right? Uh, five years down the line. At some point, you're going to reach it. Is it still doing what you're doing right now? Well, I'm... Um it's really hard to to tell and i don't i don't necessarily believe in plans that are longer than five years into yeah. the future but i see a lot of my colleagues some of them that have been working 10 15 20 years some of them have been very active in pursuing like becoming really good at what they do and i think that's still very inspiring yeah and it's not like I can promise that I'm going to grow all doing exactly the same thing and becoming the very best at it. But yeah, for now, that just drives me and I'm very passionate about it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. What, how do you think other people should get to that point where they're like, all right, this is my thing. This is the, the thing I actually want to pursue so that they can get to that point. For me, it, it took quite some time, actually, to be like, OK, this is this is what I want to do. And then still, as you say, it's not a five-year plan. I, I look not that far ahead into the future. For me, it's like a one- or two-year thing or a three-year thing. Uh, and then I might pivot or I might do the same thing. But it's taken some some time to get here. I agree. What I generally tell 
uh, students. And also what I did personally was to not fully dive into something. Yeah. Like uh, if you check my career changes, they are quite gradual. It's not that I just woke up one day and like quit my job and started a traineeship or something. Yeah. Which I completely respect people that do that. But at least how I did it and maybe something that I think is wise is I study psychology. That was just a fact. Uh, by the time I was done, I knew that that's not what I wanted. Yeah. So I just look into the market, uh, just LinkedIn, everything like what are the jobs that people are asking for that might be possible for me to get into. Yeah. And you just try to marry what you want to do with uh, what you currently have. I thought that marketing was a really nice bridge into I really like this research and analytical side. But these are my current skills. So I think if I land this job and I just keep on going deeper and deeper into the data side, eventually I will end up in the other side. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was the strategy for me. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't realized that it's it's not like a coin flip, right? You don't make that switch overnight. Some people do, sure. Some people do. That's yeah. that's the thing. But I like the more gradual approach, right? Because then you yeah. can just tread the waters, see if you actually like it, uh, and then go a bit deeper, right? Get comfortable in the water, go a bit deeper. And at some point, I think you're now uh, swimming in the ocean <laughs> of data science. But that's that's how you end up there. Correct. Uh, well, um, I don't consider myself a data scientist. Yeah. But regardless, it's I think it's a podcast on its own. What what exactly is a data scientist? <laughs> What's the nuance there then? Because you're you're an analytics yeah. engineer and correct. not necessarily a data scientist, right? Uh, correct. So there are generally three, mm, I, uh, under my understanding, let's just put it, <laughs> if you disagree, that's also fine. Sure. There are three big data jobs. Yeah. There are the analysts, which generally do 50% of their time data, 50% some more expertise, like sales analyst or marketing analyst. And those people kind of bring data to stakeholders and their job is to make things more, well, bringing data to people in yeah. one way or another. There are the data engineers, which are kind of like in an analogy, the people that build the car and yeah. not necessarily the drivers. And there are the data scientists, which sometimes they bring data to people. Sometimes they build the pipelines, but generally they focus a lot on statistical modeling and machine learning and deep learning. Yeah. And what is really beautiful because these jobs are not necessarily like hard lines is that we are seeing a lot of jobs that are in there to fill in the gaps that happen between two of these ones. Okay. We have like decision scientist, which yep. is a bit of an analyst and a bit of a data scientist. We have machine learning engineers, which is data engineers and data scientists. And yeah. Finally, you have my role, which is analytics engineer. Yeah. And how that looks is sometimes I'm coaching analysts, like uh, showing them some of the really cool things that uh, data engineers are building. Yeah. But sometimes I also handle problems that a data engineer wouldn't really know how to tackle. Like uh, if a company is using a certain tool that is uh, just without naming any any big tools or something. <laughs> Let's keep it very simple. Uh, very few people would know how to guide 
Excel users in the data world. And okay. it sounds paradoxical. Because, yeah. Uh, most data people say Excel is that thing that non-data people do. Yeah. What I do is Python or this or that. But at least me personally, I believe that even if I would never choose something like Excel for my personal project, yeah, there is a lot of value in meeting analysts or meeting people that use Excel halfway and show them, okay, if this is what you want to do, let me show you some better practices. Let's make sure that you don't send these Excels via email, show you that there are protected ranges, that you can automate some of that work. So if I had to summarize what I do is sometimes building data pipelines, which is very technical, and yeah. sometimes coaching analysts and coaching people that kind of need data but are not necessarily data people. Yeah, that makes sense. You're right in that sweet spot between actually doing that data analysis uh, and doing the engineering part that comes with it as well. Indeed. Why, why not the data science part then? Because you, you've yeah. laid out kind of the three major topics, let's say, uh, and you're right in between of two of those. Uh, but the third one, you kind of brush to the side and you're like, yeah, no, 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 well, that's not the, for me. The thing is, the, there are a lot of things. The first one is if you mess with data science, like the world collapses. So <laughs> I'm also keeping some hate away from your show. Sure. But no, um, the truth is I personally, well, me, like almost every data person ever, or yeah. a lot of programmers even, there was a time in my life where I thought like, oh, data science, that's the thing. And you start learning and taking courses and you do your own Kaggle competitions. Yeah. I, I think most data people at one point or another have flirted with the idea of getting deeper into data science. What kind of deterred me from it is I really don't like optimizing models and it feels irresponsible not to do it. Okay. So let's say you build a model, yep. uh, just how it comes out of the box, four lines of code that does something. Yeah. And in theory, you should know some of the mathematical base, or you should know how to brute force the model into being a bit better tuned. Yeah. I. I thought that process was a bit boring. The whole iterating here, doing a little change. No, this, that, no. And it also felt that to me a little bit irresponsible to keep on doing it without fully knowing the math behind it. Yeah. So, so without having the full understanding, yeah. just tweaking it for the sake of tweaking it and optimizing it yeah. without actually knowing what makes it better and what makes it worse. So it's not per se that I don't like like it as a field or anything. I truly respect the people that do it. Yeah. But to me, it didn't seem very appealed and very appealing. And I was also like, oof, back at the time, you keep on hearing all of these machine learning big oops that big companies have. And yeah. I'm like, ooh, no, this, it seems like you can really put people in danger for doing this <laughs> in a sloppy way. Yeah, I get that. And it's, I, I never looked at it like that because I, I come from information science background. I did a bachelor in that. Uh, so cool. I did a lot of information visualization right, and also some data science stuff. Um, but as you said, right, you, you get the theory of how it works and how it should work. But there's a lot of theories and there's a lot of different practices that you can follow. You're not going to understand all of them to the detail. 
right? But you're looking at what you put in and what the result is. And if the result's better, you did well, but you still don't know what's kind of in between. Uh, and with engineering, it is a bit more verbose, right? If you're making a data science pipeline or, or a different example, you know what's in there, you know the steps that actually uh, everything goes through and you know input output makes sense, right? Yeah. It's a bit less of a black box and it makes sense. I mean, that's also one of the reasons why I didn't go towards the, the data science way and I went kind of broad initially uh, in on a more operational side and then I moved to engineering because I thought, all right, now I actually know how to maintain and, and scale things and do whatever. I actually want to know how to build it and, and do that part as well. Uh, so that was my personal journey. But also the the gradual steps that you mentioned, I faced a lot of, it, I think it's a big issue and it's kind of an imposter syndrome, right? Everyone has it. Uh, and I think if you come from a place and you try and move towards a different space, you'll have that more often uh, because of that gradual change. Well, is this right for me? Am I in the right position? Should I actually do what I'm supposed to do here? Uh, or am I good enough? Right, that big question. Did you have that as well? So it's it's very tricky. Yeah. I I thought about making a video about imposter syndrome some weeks ago. Yeah. And ultimately I decided not to do it. Okay. Because I have I have a very interesting perspective. And that is part of me feels that nobody should feel imposter syndrome. Yeah. I know it's here said that done. <laughs> it's it's very easy to have something to bring up to the table. Yeah. And a lot of people underestimate like what they can do in one, two or three hours. Yeah. Like I assure to you, there is always a course, a thing, an activity that you can pursue in a weekend, let's yeah. say, that can bring immediate value to to your company. And sure, it's gonna take a long time for you to be like the best engineer yeah. of your whole organization, if that's what you want, but I, I think people always have something to deliver yeah. your unique backgrounds, everything. So that's kind of like the more rainbow type of perspective that I <laughs> internally believe. Yeah. But at the same time, I also see in LinkedIn quite a lot of people, uh, yeah, I, I would dare to say scamming other okay. people. Yeah. And... It is it is not per se my place to gatekeep as in like, no, you're not good enough in data. Yeah. But I also think, okay, if you're charging for your data courses and your this and your that, then kind of be good at it. Yeah. I have this rule in which I want to avoid as much as possible monetizing every single piece of content that I have. Okay. That's cool. Like my channels, my posts, uh, even when people come and like, hey, I need some help. I always try to do that always for free. Yeah. Because I think that that way I don't feel per se any guilt in my level or the quality of my response. Yeah. So wrapping it up together about the imposter syndrome, I think everybody has something that they can bring up. Yeah. But there are quite a lot of imposters in the world. And you should be <laughs> careful. I mean, I get that, right? I think it's it's two different playing fields you, you've laid out, right? If I try and sell you something, I should have that value, right? If it's not valuable, I shouldn't sell it to you. Uh, and there's just not a match there. Uh, and if what I have is, is not valuable at all, and I'm still trying to sell it, you get to that kind of scammy part yeah. that you might see on, uh, on LinkedIn or on different platforms. Indeed, it's 
it's quite a difficult topic to grasp because at the same time, I also have two other con contradictory beliefs. The first one is if you work really hard on something, you don't have to make it free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big contrast right there. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I still haven't been able to pinpoint. Sometimes I see some courses like, oh, I, I promise you a data scientist job in three months and earn six figures. Yeah. Like, mm, there are a lot of big ifs in, in that statement oh, yeah. and you should be more careful Yeah. before people pay, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks and go to the market all excited and realize that that was not necessarily. Yeah. Expectation management, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I always, I always tell myself is if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's that's what deterred me a little bit from making that video. Yeah, I just have quite a lot of very contradictory beliefs about <laughs> the whole <laughs> imposter syndrome, and it's hard to keep it as a straight story. But yeah, I mean, I, I get it. But internally, I still love that you said there's a lot of things that you can do. Right. People just struggle oh, with, yeah. with taking that first step, right? Because if you see just an uphill battle, starting from the bottom is hard, right? If you're midway, you're like, well, we're always there. Uh, and some people even go back and then don't even finish the the hill, for example, the, the race, uh, and still do the same uh, complete course, basically, just halfway up and halfway back instead of pushing through and reaching that top. There's a bunch of different analogies in there, but you probably get the point. Yes, yes I get it. <laughs> yeah. And I fully agree. Uh, there is plenty of stuff you can do for your career in a weekend yeah. or a day, or you, you kind of get the gist. It's not like, uh, I need experience to get hired and experience can only be gained if I'm hired type of things. <laughs> that paradox. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just think you can do projects, uh, especially if you work in IT, your portfolio does quite a lot of the talking. So I don't think experience is that relevant if you have a great GitHub and you can prove that it was indeed you, the one that wrote that, Yeah. which involves doing projects. You can also take some courses, which, yeah, um, that kind of shows that you're eager to learn. Yeah. Uh, you can go to meetups, uh, meet some people. I used to go a lot to meetups and I really miss them. Yeah. I hope the the world goes back to normal <laughs> because I, I just had the goal. Like every time I go to a meetup, I need to meet at least three people. Yeah. And you network and they don't necessarily become your best friends, but then you see them go from company to company. And later in the future, one of them needs something from you, you need something. And just out of going to that meetup and stretching yourself to say hi to stranger, uh, some really cool things could happen. Yeah. And, those are probably like the most passive things in the whole spectrum. You can, of course, organize your own meetups. I've done it. I cannot <laughs> recommend it enough. Yeah. You can make your podcast. You can post on LinkedIn, on Medium. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize is it also doesn't necessarily have to be you. Yeah. Just reach out to organizations or stuff like, hey, for example, uh, meetup groups or open source organizations like, hey, I see that you're doing quite a lot of cool stuff. Uh, can I help out? Yeah. For example, when I was organizing a meetup, 
the first meetup I organized was the data visualization meetup in Amsterdam. And some people reached out to me like, hey, can I help you out with this? And I'm like, sure, we need a sponsor and speakers. Yeah. And yeah, and that person helped me out to find some speakers and it was great. Yeah, that's nice. So you can be very ambitious and start the whole thing on your own. Yeah. But you can also come help help somebody um, make an initiative even bigger. And every single thing that I've been mentioning as an example is things that have an impact on your career that you could do within a week. Yeah. Well, maybe not organizing the whole event, <laughs> but helping out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Even reaching out is a is a first step towards doing something, right? You've you've laid that network line, uh, yeah. and you know someone new now, and you can actually work towards the same goal uh, in helping that person out. Uh, Correct. Uh, one of the things I really believe is we need more people in the world willing to help for, well, as in a selfless way. Yeah, you can put it that way. Just for the sake of helping someone reach their goal yes reaching that together yeah correct if yeah. you see a really cool initiative like and it can be anything a youtube channel uh a charity whatever just reach out to them with something as little as a compliment yeah like get out of your way to really tell them hey i appreciate that you're doing this work that can make a huge difference yeah and if you take it one step further and you're willing to help as in, hey, happy to donate some of my time, my money, refer you to some people. I know this person that could be a great uh, speaker for your show. All of those little actions uh, make a massive difference. Yeah. It sounds like you've done that in the in the past as well a lot and are probably still doing it. Uh, have you? Has it come back to you, let's say in a good way, that you've helped someone out in the past? Uh, yeah? Yeah, definitely. I can imagine. So what, what's a good example of that? I have this policy that anytime somebody reaches out to me, a stranger with a honest request for help, yeah, I always help them. Yeah. And some people on LinkedIn are like, hey, I'm having trouble with this Tableau thing or this BigQuery thing, or sometimes it's not even my expertise. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's see together. Sometimes they ask me about more career advice or can you check my CV type of things. Yeah. I always try to make time for that. Yeah. I think I've seen you do it. <laughs> yeah. I think I've seen, I don't have any experience, but we can try and figure it out together in a, yeah. in a Slack message somewhere. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah that. true. And also one time I was organizing a project on my own. Yeah. Uh, well, let me tell you, it was a Toastmasters club. Yeah. And Toastmasters is just this organization where people practice public speaking. And I noticed like, well, a city like Amsterdam has, or yeah, I think still has quite a lot of clubs. Yeah. These people are amazing. Let's make a, an advanced club where more advanced members come and learn from each other instead of uh, giving so much to new people. Yeah. Okay. And it, it was a project that lasted like a whole year. Yeah. Thank COVID really put the last, last nail on the coffin. Oh, uh, no. And what I can... No, it's it's fine. Yeah. What I can really tell you is I noticed which people were there helping uh, selflessly. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. 
Yeah, right. I, it really, it's something that I've naturally been doing. But ever since I was in the other end of me taking the stress, me willing to pay for the expenses if uh, people drank too much coffee or they ordered something that was not included in the bill and they left. And you always, as an organizer, have this little risk. Yeah. In the end, it doesn't matter too much. Like, you just know I'm going to spend at least 10 or 20 hours of my life making this happen. Yeah. And I might lose like a couple hundred bucks with the venue or the stuff if I don't find sponsors. Like yeah. that's that's kind of like the price to pay. But just knowing that there are some people there willing to help and do it in a selfless way, it's awesome. Yeah. I have had people also helping for selfish reasons. <laughs> and that's kind of good. But once you also should know that yeah not that there is anything bad in helping for selfish reasons, but yeah. Once the selfish thing has been accomplished, like once you introduce them to this person, once you pay them, once you this, that, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different, different mindset, yeah. right? As long as it's a win-win and it stays a win-win, then it's good. Right. As long as it, if the scale is out of balance, you'll notice it and, and you'll probably remember that, right? You remember yeah. the good things, but you also remember the bad things in that way. Yes. Yeah. I get that. And so wrapping up the whole topic, one thing I always love to stress is if there is somebody in, let's say, your friend group or your company yeah. uh, with their own initiatives, please help that person. And I'm not saying something massive like donating a lot of your time or your money, but people don't realize that some very little actions, just like maybe every time they post something on social media, comment yeah. that has a massive impact just because the moment that well, to be honest, the only social media I like is LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not active in any other one. Yeah. But just the moment that something like LinkedIn says like, oh, this, this is generating comments from other people. Yeah. That thing gains a lot more traction and a lot more views. Yeah. So just something as basic as like, oh, that's a really cool initiative. I cannot wait for the next episode. Yeah. As a massive, um, yeah, it's, it's a nice thing that you can do for somebody. Yeah. And regardless of what exactly that action is, just know that there are quite a lot of really cool initiatives and the people organizing them a lot of times really need your help in one way or another. So if you're appreciating this podcast, if you're appreciating a certain YouTube channel, meetup group, whatever it is, open source software, do do something about it. Yeah. I would say be a good follower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's that snowball effect, right? It's it's really easy to push a bit of snow, but it can snowball and create it can create something big, right? Just something easy as a as a comment on LinkedIn, as you mentioned, yeah. it can help quite a lot, right? Uh, and it's it's very small for someone to do it on someone else's post, but for the one that posts, it's really nice to see a lot of love uh, and a lot of comments in that way, right? And it means a lot. It probably helps them remember who you are and, and that you did that. Or maybe that's a wrong example, yeah. but at least they'll know. Yeah, true. So it's, for example, just a nice comment on, on LinkedIn. It's not only the fact that you're giving energy to a person. Yes. Yeah. It's also that like you're giving them more exposure on LinkedIn. So yeah. it's, it has its utilitarian value more than saying like, good job. And that's yeah. that. Yeah, there's a byproduct there. Yeah. Yeah. 
You mentioned uh, Toastmasters. Is it Toastmasters? Yes, correct. Yeah, you've been doing that for a while. I saw that. And it's, yes. it, I, I went to the website, something like a motivational, not necessarily motivational, but it helps you with public speaking. Is that it? Yes. Uh, so it's an organization that helps people with leadership and public speaking. Yeah. And so how you have to see it is a lot of people that for whatever reason, either are terrified or just need to get better public speaking come. Yeah. Many of them stay for six months to a year. They're like, oh, I lost most of my fear. I can go now and keep on doing this thing. That's really cool. So it has that value. Yeah. But some of the people that stick a bit longer, they really get to practice the leadership uh, skills because yeah. you can be in charge of a club. You can be in charge of something bigger. You can become the point of contact for, uh, for example, some years ago, I was the point of contact for anybody that wanted to start a new club really in France, Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg. Yeah. That's quite some responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. That, at that point I was like, okay, I've never been in this position where I have so many cries for help and I don't have enough time to, <laughs> to handle them. Yeah. Like first time in my life that I really had to prioritize, uh, where I put my time in terms of people directly asking me for help. Yeah. But it was a fun experience. Yeah. I love that it allows you to do so, right? Public speaking, man, I, I know in high school and even in university, I never wanted to do that. I was like, hell, hell no, <laughs> that's not going to be me. I'll never be that guy up on that stage doing that thing. But the more you practice it, right, the better you get at it. As with anything else you'll probably do, practice makes perfect. Uh, and this is actually an, an opportunity to practice. Right. And how long have you been doing this? It's like uh, maybe five years. I don't know. <laughs> Man, time but, flies. Yeah. But there is also one one belief that I have, and that is in an organization like Toastmasters, you do handle a lot of the basics. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's not that you become like the best speaker ever the more <laughs> the time you, you're there. Yeah. Like I, I promise you, if you stay some time in there, you're going to get the basics down. Yeah. And that's the foundation that a yeah. lot of people miss, right? Yeah. yeah. The reason why people stick longer is, well, sometimes, but not necessarily to become better speakers, but it's just the network of interesting people and also the opportunity for you to organize your conferences, uh, organize big events, organize contests. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah getting to that kind of leadership skill as a byproduct, but it's still networking. It's meeting a lot of people. It's taking that initiative, that step, uh, reaching out for people to help, uh, or yeah. even be like trying to reach a certain goal and, and helping people along the way as well. Yeah. I like that. Indeed. Yeah. And one thing that I really like about that community is there are a lot of people that just think of an idea mm -hmm. and then suddenly they materialize something crazy. Like there is this lady, I think from Italy. Yeah. That thought, like, wouldn't it be cool if all of the Toastmasters Club in Europe go together on a cruise? Okay. And she made that happen. <laughs> and it, of course, involves, once again, a lot of people saying, hey, I like your idea. I'm yeah. going to help you. I'm yeah. going to tell this to my club, tell this to my friends. Yeah. I know somebody that has, I don't know, a cruise business and they can give you a better rate and so on. So it, of course, was born like an idea. Yeah. And then... It, it became something bigger and 
it's funny because after being a member, that became a bit contagious. Like I'll never forget one time I was in a meetup. Yeah. I'm not going to say which one, <laughs> but uh, I thought to myself, mm, this meetup is a bit too far. The speakers are maybe not, not my cup of tea. Yeah. They were, there are a lot of things I would do differently. Yeah. And then I thought like, what's stopping me? <laughs> <laughs> and one month later, no, two months later, I started my first meetup from, from scratch. And yeah, it was like very close to my house. I invited those speakers that I want to listen to. Yeah. Uh, it was, I, I don't know, I was super lucky that it was packed. I yeah. found a sponsor to give beer and bitter ball and it was a blast and it's really nice to see like, well, you can have ideas, execute them. Yeah. Um, organizing a meetup. I generally say don't spend more than 10 hours organizing it. Yeah. That's so kind that of a... it keeps kind of healthy and <laughs> doesn't drain your motivation. Yeah. But no, it was quite a blast. Man, I, I've had those thoughts, right? I, I don't like this and this about it, or I think this is wrong basically. But taking that step and being like, well, I can fix that and, and actually making it happen then a month or, or two months down the line. That's really cool, man. Can't believe you did that. Uh, yeah. And well, maybe it was not necessarily the best motivation. I think this is crap. I can do it better. But yeah. no, the, the truth is I've, I've constantly, I've been to a lot of meetups and I constantly felt like we're really missing something that is about data visualization, but that is tool agnostic Yeah, to kind of prevent people from, I sell, I don't know, I sell this tool or this or that. Yeah. Uh, it was just super nice to have an agnostic meeting in that regard. Exactly. Just open opinions. Yeah. No one's going to try and sell you anything. Uh, basically speak your mind and, and challenging each other. Well, no, they always do, <laughs> but it's different because if I do, for example, a Databricks meetup. You can ask Databricks for a budget. They'll probably be there and put yeah. some massive banners. And then I, I'm nothing against Databricks. This first technology that came to my mind, but <laughs> it applies to anything. Yeah. But then you certainly limit people from uh, speaking badly about the company or saying there is a better alternative or yeah. I generally don't like doing this solution that they have. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the Databricks anchor then that's already there. Uh, yeah. And if you pull towards the other side, basically yeah. you already have uh, a crowd that's kind of opposed to you yeah. initially. And for the record, I really like working with Databricks. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a small disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. Man, everything you say is is just paramount to the amount of work that you put in, right? Going to those Toastmaster things, going to the, all those courses and gradually going to where you want to be. Uh, it's impressive. I, I've Thanks. said it before, even... Uh, for that resume that you have or kind of the the roadmap that you have um, lays out that you actually want to be an authority uh, in, in what you're doing, right? And I think you're you're hitting all the different aspects in actually uh, being out there as well, uh, both in a, in a career path, on a personal level, uh, right, with communication and Toastmasters, but you're also doing a YouTube channel, right? Super broad yeah. and, and basically playing all the cards on the table and, and playing that playing field pretty well and, and wide. Uh, how'd you, how'd you decide to do that though? Because I mean, you want to be the best at what you do, but YouTube and Toastmasters and all the other different courses that you took, 
not everyone does that, right? Well, I, I think it's a mix of three big ingredients. Yeah. The first one is people just have their, let's say, psychological needs. Some people are hungry for power. Some people are hungry for being uh, loved. Some mm. people are... This, that's just like the overarching need that kind of shapes your life. Yeah. For me, it's... Yeah, like I mentioned, I really want to be good at stuff. Yeah. So that's also something that has always been in my psyche. Mm. Then, also on, on top of that, I learned uh, from, yeah, from a good friend of mine that you, whenever you have a day that is a bit heavy or when you're tired or something that demotivates you, yeah, you should also try to balance that out with things that motivate you. Mm. So whenever you have a boring day, try to do something fun at the end of it. And so I have a really big list of things that give me energy. Yeah. And some of them are a bit more private, like playing tennis. But sometimes making videos or, I don't know, doing programming projects. Those are things that also give me energy. Yeah. And many of them are not big commitments. Like making a video takes 20 minutes, more or less, give or take. Yeah. And that's something that you're leaving there for, I don't know, humanity to see. And so sometimes it feels like, wow, this guy's too busy. But it's like, no, whenever I need like some something that keeps me motivated yeah. and I have like one hour free, I just try to do something like that. Yeah. And then the third factor is back when I graduated at least. Yeah. I, I came to a funny realization that is there are approximately 500 uh, psychology graduates from my own university. Yeah. Most of them are European citizens, meaning that they have a much easier job, at least legally, because companies don't have to request job permits for them. Mm -hmm. And many of them are native Dutch speakers. So even if I just with everything and decide to fully master Dutch. Yeah. Still, some people are going to be native speakers and that's not like a field that you can necessarily compete. Yeah. So when I first graduated, my first thought is if I don't make my profile maybe like 10, 20% better than the average applicant, I have absolutely no chance. And during my master's, I did honors i did an internship i did this everything so it is a, a crazy mix of i do appreciate becoming good at things also maybe some you can call it a external inferiority complex or something <laughs> like that yeah or high competition however you want to phrase it yeah plus yeah that a lot of these things that are technically good for my career, give me uh, energy. Yeah. And it's something that I really enjoy doing. Yeah, You mix all of that in a pot and all of a sudden, uh, cool things happen. Yeah, I like that. So it starts with internal motivation, right? You need to have that from inside of you. So you have kind of energizers that you laid out, playing tennis, yeah. video games, things that you get energy from. Exactly. Uh, and then actually looking at the opportunity, right? If you say a lot of well, we have 500 psychologists that graduate uh, and you're in yes. a different country and the cards are already stacked against you. You need to stand out, right? You need to have that opportunity to be 
uh, to excel in what you do. And I love that you found that niche in that finding a job uh, in which you do that job also energizes you, right? That's yeah. just an accelerant. That's how it should be. True. It's a, it's a job that really, uh, well, it just favors people that are very passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. That really like to learn new things, explore new things. Yeah. And there is so much to learn that it's, it's not something that you can be onboarded in a month bootcamp and everything you need to know about the job is there. <laughs> so I, I notice a lot of people, I, I don't feel that I'm especially like, uh, uh well, I'm, I don't feel like very special in this field because yep. you see a lot of great stories. It's just, IT is a field that tends to attract a lot of very interesting, dedicated people. Yeah. That put in the work. Right? Yeah. It starts with that. And that's how yeah. you get where you, where you end up. True. And I, I can swear to you, I've been very dedicated for, uh, the five years of my career doing stuff, but. I also know some people have been very dedicated for 10, 20, 30 years and it's, it's also super fun. Yeah. To and meet I mean, those it's, people. it's not always rainbows, right? Everyone has their, their ups and downs. It's mm. just, uh, you need to keep going. Basically that's, uh, that's the only thing you need to yes. keep going. And at some point you'll make it. It's that long-term game. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's, it's true. It's, uh, Getting started at first can be very challenging. Yeah, uh, but taking that first step, and you just need to do it. That's yeah. uh, that's what it comes down it comes down to. Yeah. But going back to some other topics we spoke, sometimes mm. I see uh, people that I just quit my job and I'm gonna become a data scientist. Yeah. Well, nothing is stopping you from getting any date. Let's say. Uh, let's say that you work in sales yeah. and you want to become a data scientist. Mm. Why not doing a transition as a well, as a sales analyst, become really good at the foundations of data, and then keep on getting closer to what you want? Yeah, and it, you're also in a privileged position because your lack of experience in data is not seen as a really big problem, considering that you already have sales experience or whatever it is that you're doing as a career transition. Yeah. I understand some people just need to do it and completely quit and completely do the career change. Yeah. But the strategy that I took, and I just want to invite everybody considering career changes at this moment, it can also be gradually. Yeah. And it, I think it's more healthy, right? It doesn't have to be a radical coin flip and you're like, I quit everything. I'm done with this and now I'm yeah. going to do something else. Yeah. Maybe it's good to, to phrase it like that. Like, it doesn't have to be a radical yeah, coin flip. Exactly. Right. That's not the only yeah. way you can make that happen. Yeah. Right. It's, I, I know some people that did it and it worked out super well for them, but yeah. that's, there's probably also a, a few people that yeah. it didn't work out for. Right. That happens. Yeah, of course. It's like, uh, the, like most entrepreneurs saying like, oh yeah, it's an, I'm my own boss and well, we we like pinpointing at entrepreneurs. <laughs> Generally, they constantly bring up the examples of people that made it. Yeah. But it's funny we don't we don't necessarily speak like that about musicians. Yeah. Like we don't say like how come you're not a rock star if you're playing guitar <laughs> or or like sure you should definitely become a musician because some people become absurdly rich at it. Yeah. And it, 
also once again it's not against anything against <laughs> musicians or entrepreneurs yeah the point is in some fields people overestimate or just overly fantasize about the people making it big yeah happens quite a lot in i think entrepreneurship yeah and sometimes people just completely dismiss your chance of you making it which happens a lot to people in the arts any type of arts yeah I mean, there's probably you should have an end goal, right? Kind of doesn't have to be very concrete, but as long as you put in the work and you're happy with the work and the progress and everything, you'll get there, right? You'll get to that end goal or it'll shift uh, and you'll make it somewhere else. doesn't have to be, I'm going to be a billionaire, right? A lot of people can think that, but not everyone achieves that. I think there's a, a few hundred in the world, I guess. It's just a random statistic. Don't, don't quote yeah. me on that one. <laughs> but yeah. a lot of kids have that thought. I had that as a kid. Uh, and I'm, what well, I'm not going to become a millionaire probably, uh, and I'm fine with that, right? You can be yeah. complacent in what you have, uh, and still happy with what you can achieve. Yeah, and this this might sound a bit too psychologist for for my liking, but <laughs> it really comes down to knowing what is the psychological need driving all of this in you. Yeah. If why exactly is it that you want to become rich? Yeah. My advice is. Just know what exactly it is, the thing that is driving you. Yeah. And it can be as shallow as like, uh, I just want to be loved or I just need a lot of power to be happy. Yeah. Whatever it is, really doesn't matter. But once you find that thing, you can maybe look at different jobs and see if my need is to just have power for the sake of having power, then maybe I should consider being a politician or. Yeah. You leverage what, what internal yeah. motivation you have. Yeah. Uh, and so the the motivations that I have, and I see a lot of people in the industry have, well, suit IT quite well. Yeah. If if you're not here for the continuous learning, and if you're not truly passionate, you might not uh, stick for long, at least in the IT world. That's that's what I'm noticing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You need to have that hunger. Yeah. To keep going. Yeah, because you. It's funny. I always say when you join IT in any way or form, mm. you're kind of signing two career contracts. The first one is you will become a slave of learning. <laughs> I've never heard it like that. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen every so many years a new technology will come yeah. every so often and you constantly need to become better. And sure, it's nice when employers give you time to do it in, in their own clock. Yeah. But you also have to do it in your commute, in your weekends, in your own projects. Yeah. We, we're kind of like musicians in the sense that we get paid for performing and not for practicing. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned there was a second one or did I? Uh, yes. And that one? I think I <laughs> forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the second one, the second one. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> I will remember it maybe some other uh, time. Well, we'll stick but to the first one. Then. The, yeah, the one of being a, let's say, a slave of learning. And yeah. if you're just driven because like, oh, I can make good money in this or it sounds fancy or something, then a lot of those people just don't stick because they don't have the passion for learning that is really needed to stay for long in this field. Yeah, yeah. don't look at the, the byproducts right, that you might get. Look at what you will get. Uh, when you actually do the job, 
right? And that is that that learning and, and building something, creating products in, in whatever field you're doing. Uh, that's the output, right? Getting money, getting fame is all byproduct. That should never be the end goal. Uh, or it can be the end goal, yeah. but then you're going to have a lot of cards stacked against you already. Yeah, I I don't know. If if you're for whatever reason, just the thing that you want is fame. Yeah. Uh, oh, of course, IT is not the <laughs> field for you. Yeah. But no, I, I think that can shape a career into, I don't know, something more like acting or singing. Or yeah. That's, I just think people have their needs. They don't have too much control over what it is that keeps you going. And yeah. you should find a career that truly fosters that in a way that uh, people think that you're overachieving, but it's just, it feels more like you being true to yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. As long as you do that, yeah. you're good, right? Yeah, just I, I sometimes people are like, "Whoa, you're so dedicated." I'm like, "No, I just I happen to like this, and mm. I really wish you to find something that you like doing so much that aligns with I don't know something productive for your career or whatever it is." Yeah, yeah, finding that match, right? Yeah. And everyone's match can be different, or it can be kind of the same, right? We're all kind of in a field here, uh, yeah. but finding that is the important thing. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Cool, man. On that note, let's uh, let's leave it at that. Thanks, Juan. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. It's Had been a, a fun really day. fun conversation. Honestly. Yeah, you liked it? Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks for coming on. Sure. All right. You're welcome. Juan Parafan, everyone. Beyond Coding. From your sponsors, Zebia, creating digital leaders. 